Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. The 179th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. From the Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners Podcast. We win 54 to 53. North Carolina did it. North Carolina wins the championship. With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan. Jumper from out on the left. Good. Fred Brown looking. Oh, way to worthy. Worthy five. The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship. Weber front court. Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. Technical They're out foul. of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won. 89-72, and how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national gaggum champions. Love guarded by Keels. Gets a screen. Pulls up for three. Got it. Caleb from straight away. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're back with you guys tonight to recap Carolina's 167 win over the Citadel. And guys, if you're asking what took them so long to get on the microphone and, and talk about Carolina's win, I'll be honest with you, we had to come off the high. Of, of the way Carolina played, let's say the last 26, 27 minutes or so, uh, because from the under eight minute time timeout in the first half on, you're going to have a hard time finding me a better time that Carolina's played better basketball. So we had to come down off of that high and, and, and talk about Carolina's win because, buddy, uh, you know, it was it was a twenty six to twenty five game at the under eight timeout. Uh, the heels would go on a twenty two to eight run the rest of the way to open up a forty eight to thirty three lead at the break. In the second half, Tyler Nickel would explode off the bench and really lead a bench led second half as as Carolina just pummeled the Citadel in that second half and. Something I, I've been really impressed with and pleased with in the last two games is that, you know, the first the first couple games of the season, Carolina was they just lacked the ability to put games and an opponents away. It's why UNC Wilmington was close, Gardner Webb was close, but in the the game against Georgia Tech and in this game against the Citadel. Carolina went on game-defining runs that effectively put the game out of reach before halftime. And that's something that as young Tar Heel fans, we got really accustomed to. And it seems like, you know, 
Not saying this team is, is, has developed that identity, but that's a sign of growth and maturity for this team to, to be able to look at opponents that they're better than, they're more gifted than, they're deeper than, and being able to put their foot on the gas and end games like they should be ended, you know, well before the under four-minute timeout of the second half. Yeah, I mean, I think you've kind of seen it with each of the last two games. It wasn't quite as dominant against Georgia Tech, but I thought that Carolina at least got to a point in that game where you knew that game was over, um, which is something that we really just have not seen from this team the entire season. You could say that you thought these certain games were over, but I feel like there were there was always a little bit of angst about the possibility of a comeback. And and in the last two games, it just hasn't felt that way, um, especially the other night. That that was we, – we said it, and we had said it for a lot of games coming in when we previewed games. We thought that this was Carolina's best chance to have just a dominant performance. And that's exactly what this was from – I'm not going to say start to finish it was dominance, but – it was easily their best offensive game of the season. No doubt about it. I mean, look, they they scored 100 points, so that, that's kind of all you need to know. But what I thought they did from the word go that Hubert Davis kind of asked them to do off of what he saw on sat on Sunday, Saturday, excuse me. Um, you know, he he said, look, play inside out. And I thought that's exactly what Carolina did. You had a stretch where Armando Baycott scored eight straight points for you. He scored 12 of your first 26. So the focus was to clearly get the ball inside to him. And you saw that that kind of opened everything up. And once Carolina's offense got rolling, the Citadel just did not have anything for Carolina. Um, you know, the, the Carolina, uh, you know, looked great on the fast break, the best they have all season long. You saw better ball movement. It, it was just an all-around great performance from Carolina. It's, it, it's what we've been looking for this entire time. Now, it comes against a team that, frankly, is not good. Arguably, they might be the worst team that Carolina has played so far this year. But at the same time, at this point, you just take whatever you can get. If you're Carolina, you're not going to be picky, especially about a win like this. And I think the the more special part is who were who the guys were that were contributing for you off the bench. Because it wasn't the guys that we thought were going to contribute, at, at least heading into the game. Maybe heading into the season, we thought that you would see some of these guys contribute. But with what we had seen so far this year, nobody could have predicted what we saw from this team off the bench the other night against the Citadel. You know, what I think the last two games have really validated was that Carolina just needed time to practice. And that was something that Hubert Davis said during the four-game losing streak was that, look, we need to get back home. We need to get some practice time under our belt. And if these issues right now that are or you're seeing right now aren't fixed, aren't corrected, then I'll panic. And, you know, for a lot of Tar Heel fans, that sounded more like of an excuse than anything else, but it really wasn't given Carolina's schedule and the travel. They weren't really doing a whole lot of uh, – there wasn't a whole lot of time to practice. And 
they had six days off the week of exams, but they had three days in the gym. And you saw a different team on the court last Saturday against Georgia Tech. Then you have three days off between your next your next opponent. You saw where they were able to look at the film and, and, and see what they did right, what they did wrong, and what they could still work on. You saw a better version of the team once again on the court on Tuesday night. And and so, you know, right now this biggest the biggest thing about the stretch of games is, you know, you want to feel a lot better about where this team is heading into ACC play. And right now they're seven and four, which isn't sexy for a preseason number one team, but they've got a chance in their next two outings to really start getting the positive vibes back going in a major way. And you know, they needed to, to look good in these last two games to feel a lot better going into these next two. And they definitely done just that. It was a historic night in the Smith Center. Uh, I had the stat wrong in the in the preview where Armand where I had told you that Armando Baycock had set the record for most double doubles in the seat of in, in, a, in a Tar Heel career. Um he set the, the school record for most double digit rebounding games, which is still just a phenomenal record. When you look at the company that he's involved with, uh, so he now owns that record at 62 and counting. But he's only five games away now from the school record of double-doubles, which is still something that he is going to achieve. And, you know, something that we've really talked about is, you know, he really did that, and he really put himself in a position to do that based off of last year, what he's doing so far this year, and then more of what he did his freshman year because the sophomore year, while he was the team's leading scorer, because Carolina rotated its its, its bigs, there weren't double-doubles to be had. So uh, awesome job for Armando Baycott to be able to set that scoring record. You talked about the guys who came off the bench to lead Carolina uh, to the win. We'll, we'll focus on those guys a little bit later in the show, but – Let's take a look at the box score, which is brought, which is brought to you by DraftKings, and it's a pretty one uh, for the Heels. They shot 49% from the field, 32 of 65. They held the Citadel to just 40%. They were 29 of 72. How about the Heels going 15 of 31 behind the three-point line? Easily their best three-point shooting game of the season. Meanwhile, the Citadel just 8 of 27, so light. Georgia Tech, a hot start. We usually don't believe that it's going to carry over. That didn't happen. The Heels win the three-point line by a decided margin. Also, the foul line. Carolina got to the foul line 27 times, converted 21 of them for 78%. Meanwhile, the Bulldogs were just one of five. Both teams with 12 turnovers. Uh, Carolina scored 12 points off of Bulldog turnovers. Meanwhile, the Citadel just eight points off of uh, Carolina's 12 miscues. So uh, the rebounding margin in favor of Carolina, 47 to 31, 34 22 on the defensive glass, 13 to 9 on the offensive glass. So not as dominant in that area, but still an area that Carolina won. Second chance points, 16 to 12, Carolina. Bench points, 42 to 18, Carolina. Uh, points in the paint did go the Citadel's way, 38 to 26. But that's a big reason because of Carolina was just so hot from the outside. Fast break points, 11 to 5 Carolina. Blocks, 5 to 2 Carolina. Uh, steals, 9 to 7 Carolina. 
assists, 24 to 12. Carolina, Carolina had 24 assists on 32 made baskets. The Citadel was just 12 assists on their 29 made baskets. Uh, there were two times the game was tied. There was a lead change. Carolina led for 37 minutes and 48 seconds. Meanwhile, the Citadel just led for a grand total of 50. Let's now transition to uh, the, the quote of the game from Hubert Davis, and he talked about the progress his team has shown, the growth they've shown in their last two games. And he said, quote, obviously it's not a finished product, but we have improved. I mean, in the week and a half that we've been here, we're playing better defense. We're rebounding better. We had 24 assists. We're making the extra pass. We're shooting better. And so that does mean exactly, doesn't mean we're exactly where we need to be. No, but I feel like we're moving in the right direction. And it's a great opportunity to play against a really, really good Ohio State team in New York City this Saturday. We're excited about the challenge. We'll have a preview for that game a little bit later this week on the Four Corners podcast. Before we we get to the stat of the game, um, I, I did want to talk about this because and, – and it's not that I'm in a position to, to judge because I was a guy last year – that freaked out about Hubert Davis and this coaching staff. No. Albeit it was in January and after back-to-back blowout losses to good teams, but not teams that should be running Carolina out of the court. But after four straight losses, there were people in the Tar Heel community coming after Hubert, coming after the coaching staff. I think what they've proven that, given adequate time to look at the film, and, and, and be in the gym, they're more than capable of making the right adjustments, doing the things they need to do as a staff to put this team in a better position to win games at the level we expect them to. At what point are we going to – and I'm and I'm saying we as a fan base, because I'm not going to lie and say that I don't have second thoughts from time to time, but at what point are we going to be able to sit back and just come to a point where we – we're more trustworthy of Hubert and the staff he's assembled, knowing that they're all just in their second year together, but in their first year together, they took us within a rebound of winning a national championship. Hold on. I'm calculating it up. Uh, I'm being told it was when hell freezes over because, look, man, this is just something that's going to happen with fan bases. I don't get it. I'm going to be honest to me, like, look, you say that you still have your doubts. I have none at this point because, and maybe, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm the moron here. This guy, took you to, this guy took you to the, to the brink of a national title in his first year. I mean, I don't really know what more you could want from him. And you can't say, and look, man, I love Roy Williams. He is easily the, the, my, the, my favorite coach of any of the teams that I root for. And it's not even close, to be honest with you. But when Roy left, it wasn't like Roy left him with a team that just went to the Final Four. Like, this was a team that was the, the previous two years that struggled a bit. And, I mean, granted, they struggled to find their way a little bit early on. But to get where they actually got, 
I, I just, I don't understand how people can be in that mindset of, well, we're still going through an evaluation period to see if this is the right guy. Like if you're doing that, well, then you just, you were never on board or on board with the hire to start with. And you're, you're probably never going to be, you're always going to be looking for something to get mad about it. Look, there were always people that would do the same thing with Roy. We, we saw him on there. We spent many nights after wins, after losses, arguing with these people. So I, I think that's just the conclusion that you have to come to, but I'm at the point now where, look, you you have to trust Hubert Davis. You, you Frankly, one, you have no choice, especially, you know, even if you don't like Hubert, if you didn't like to hire, I mean, with what he did last year, it's going to take a lot for Carolina to get to a spot where they say they have to move on from him. But, I, I mean, this is this is just, I think, the nature of the game right now, and I think it's part of college basketball as well. And, you know, for this team, it sucks because we thought that this was a team with everything that it was coming back, they would be able to kind of pick up right where they left off last year. But we've admitted it multiple times on this podcast, and I don't think there's anything wrong with admitting it. Guys, Brady Manick was a huge part of what this team did a year ago. And this team misses him right now. Even still, I know the last two games they've looked really good, you know, overall, but especially the other night on the offensive end. But Brady Manick could just do so many different things for you. And I think that it was one of those things. We we kind of learned it, you know, last year with the football program when we talked about Javante Williams, Michael Carter leaving, and we thought, well, Carolina will just replace those guys and it'll be pretty easy. Well, we found out the same thing with the basketball program. When you have to replace guys that put up really, really good production, it doesn't always happen in the snap of a finger. And the other thing is, and people are going to look at this, and you'll, I mean, who, who knows? You might say it's an excuse too. Man, this team played four games away from home consecutively. Mainly the biggest thing was they did not have any time to really practice and focus on what the issues were. There there was never time for Carolina to sort of catch their breath and collect themselves to the point where they were able to work on what was hurting this team on the offensive end of the floor. And, you know, the turnover issues that, that I think really led to everything that happened. So when they finally got a chance to get back home, to have a little bit of practice time and to get healthy, you're seeing it's, it's, it's working out for them. But in terms of trusting Hubert Davis, I mean, look, if you're not there right now, I I just, I don't know if you're ever going to get there to be honest. Yeah. I mean, I feel like as a guy that, severely doubted him the trust and the faith is is getting there um because he told me wait till we get back home and practice and if we don't look any better okay then you can uh, then I'll panic and they've come home and they've looked a lot better and now they're starting to really mold into the type of team that uh we want them to be and what they should be because of how the talent's going to be there ultimately I feel like it until he wins a national championship, that's what it's going to take for a lot of people. And I think more, I guess it's more on us uh, on the unfortunate side of things. 
and we experienced this with with Roy Williams as well. For some people, Hubert can never win enough games, win enough national championships, go to enough Final Fours. They're going to find something to complain about because that's who they are. And that's a sad reality, but those type of fans do exist, and they do exist in this fan base. I just thought because, you know, we're on Twitter, we're in Facebook groups, that was a good discussion to have. Let's move on to the stat of the game. Um, I went with three-point shooting because Carolina was 15 of 31 for 48%. The most threes they they fit in the game all season long. This is coming off the game where they shot three of 13 against Georgia Tech. Um, and, and that prompted us to have a, a, a conversation about, you know, should we be worried about a team that was shooting less than 30% from behind the three-point line? Mm. Um, and, and, you know, I think the biggest thing about why Carolina had that, that, that type of success, first off, they have the ability to be a good shooting team. There's good shooters on the floor, but I thought their shot selection from behind the arc from the starters was absolutely phenomenal. Caleb Love was four of six. Davis was two for four. Nance was three for four, particularly with Nance. It opened up the offense like Brady Manick did for Carolina in the second half of the season also, uh, last year, when they had to start accounting for that 6'10 guy banging in three-pointers, it made offense a whole heck of a lot easier. He got open looks because nobody is respecting his shot right now. He makes them. That draws the defense out. And then all of a sudden you've got driving lanes. Armando's not going to be in position to be doubled up. The ball goes in the basket a lot easier. Love took six threes. I never thought he forced one. I never thought he took a bad one. Mm -hmm. RJ was two of four. And once again, I never thought he forced one, never thought he took a bad one. And then defensively, Citadel was eight for 27. And a lot like Georgia Tech was uh, on on Saturday, this was a a team that, you know, started hot from behind the three-point line. Um, But in the the Mm -hmm. second half, they they would they would cool down. They they made five of thirteen in the first half. They were just three of fourteen from the second half, and I think that's that's something Carolina's got to get a lot more. And it, it's showing that they're getting more mature in that area. Is that teams are going to make shots? Like first off, shooting is just too good to where you know there's going to be times where you're going to do everything right. I mean, for God's sakes, there was a possession where. I think it was Ash dropped the ball and he moved to the, you know, to his left or right to pick it up, was sideways and just shot it and made it. Nothing you can do about that. Mm-hmm. But what you gotta do is you still gotta you still gotta defend. You still gotta get a hand up. You still gotta rotate. You still gotta contest and and and, and run out if you're a big man. If 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 if, if you know there's a, a double team and you gotta get back out there. And Carolina's starting to do that. Those are little things that really add up on the defensive end of the court, and that's a big reason why Carolina's three-point defense the last two games has been marginally better. So uh, with that, guys, we are going to take a a short break. We'll get you this week's ad from DraftKings. Then when we come back, more thoughts, more takeaways from Carolina's 100-67 to win over the Citadel. 
The NBA season is heating up, and there are still so many games coming up. Like if you're a local fan of the Charlotte Hornets, the 76ers are in town. The Minnesota Timberwolves are in town. Or if you're a Knicks fan like me, there's a lot of games coming up as we get ready or as we continue to make our way through the NBA season where you can make plenty bets on the association. When I'm looking to get in on the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money lines on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out, guys. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings. Go, go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, and more. The more the more you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win. Whether you're betting on just a straight-up win, or how many you know threes Steph Curry is going to have, or how many rebound rebounds Joel Embiid is going to have, you can place all those bets and parlays at DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TBPN. Place a five-dollar pregame money line bet on any on on any NBA team to win their game and get a one hundred and fifty dollars in free bets if they do. That's promo code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. Really hope you guys are taking great advantage of all these great offers I've been giving you here on the Four Corners podcast. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough blog podcast. Uh, the first thought takeaway I have written down is Caleb Love plays his best game so far of the season. He scored 17 points. He was 6 of 10 from the field. We just mentioned he was 4 of 6 from 3. He grabbed three rebounds, had six assists, no turnovers, all in 29, uh, all in 29 minutes. And one of the not-so-subtle adjustments we've seen Huber Davis make is all of a sudden, guess who's back on top of the ball? It's R.J. Davis. And Caleb Love is playing as an off-ball guard where he's more in a catch-and-shoot, a catch-and-drive. Basically, when he's being put in a position – it's to create as to facilitate. And for some reason, that that game suits him a whole lot better. And, you know, I, I think you could look at his shot selection. If you go back to Saturday, when he got benched in the first half by Hubert Davis for Seth Trimble. And first off, that shows how much, you know, trust and faith Hubert has in, in the freshman. But that was a message that, look, this can't continue to happen. You can't continue to take bad shots and me leave you on the court. And and I thought the other night he was just under control. He played with great pace, with great energy. And, and I thought that was a big reason why he had his best game of, of the season. And a lot like last year, when Caleb Love looks the part, this Tar Heel team looks like a team that can play, let alone or, or they can beat, let alone play with any team in the country. Oh, there's, I mean, there's, there's no doubt about that. And I think one of the biggest things for him is what what, what I talked about, you know, on on 
you know, the last few editions of the podcast. Uh, and I thought we saw it to a certain extent on Saturday, um, really in that second half. But I thought throughout the day on on Tuesday night, I, I thought throughout the game we saw so many catch and shoot ones for him. And we just hadn't seen that. That, that. There was just the ball movement was not there. Everything was you have to create your own separation. And, I mean, look, I think there's there, there there's a part of that to his game that we saw last year. It, it's there. It's there. But you shouldn't – he's just not a guy that can can get himself going all that often. It's not a night-in, night-out recipe for him. Um, I think it's just, as you said, when Carolina went back to playing him off ball, as they have, it has paid massive dividends because I think that's really where he's at his best. Um, and I also think it's where R.J. Davis is at his best. So I I, I think th- there's no doubt that that needs to be part of the recipe going forward for him. And I think, again, when, when we talk about Caleb Love, it all comes back to confidence. When he is confident in himself, you that that is when he is going to be at his best. And for the majority of this season, he has not been confident in himself. Um, and to be fair, there, there there hasn't really been much to be overly confident about. But hopefully this is the game that can give him a little bit of confidence, especially for this next stretch here. Because as we mentioned, you, you got two really important games coming up here. Um, you know, what you what you did against the Citadel was great. What you did against Georgia Tech was encouraging as well. But if you lose these next two games, all that you just did is kind of put on the back burner. Yeah, you're still one and one in conference play, but you'd already have six losses on the season. And I think in order for Carolina to be able to win those two games coming up, you need Caleb Love to be able to contribute at the level that he has, you know, here recently. I thought even the second half against Georgia Tech, I thought – you saw some really good looks from him. He just didn't knock them down. This game, he capitalized on those opportunities, and I think that's going to be key for him in, in this next two-game stretch. Let's move on to the perimeter shooting and, and touch on that a little bit more. Carolina, as I mentioned, 15 of 31 from behind the, the three-point line. Um, they had one, two, three, four, five, six. Seven different Tar Heels make a three-pointer, so the, the wealth was spread out among the roster. Um, you know, the, the first thing about it is kind of like with Caleb Love, the shot selection was better. So many times this season, Carolina has had to settle for contested jump shots from behind the three-point line. Um, that's something that Jay Billis, whenever he breaks down a game, he really talks about it. And, you know, he talks about teams that are settling. And for the most part of the, the this year, Carolina has settled because they have good shooters. Caleb Love and R.J. Davis are good shooters. Uh, Pete Nance can be a good shooter. No. Tyler Nickel is a good shooter. But, you know, whenever you're settling as opposed to that becoming a good shot, that's not going to go in as often. But 
the biggest thing and the reason why Carolina, I think, got so many good looks the other night was the ball went inside the, that that arc in that painted area first. And, you know, there's so much value. And, and look, I know analytics will, t- you know, look, at, math tells you three is greater than two. And analytics now are, you know, they're, they're, they're driving more to the three-point line. And, I mean, you had a team the other, you know, a few weeks ago take nothing but three-pointers and, and win a game in blowout fashion. But paint touches also matter because what it does is it, it makes the defense collapse. It forces the defense to rotate. It does so many different things. And one of the adjustments Sheber Davis talked about was, as opposed to Armando Baycott just running down to a block, he's now just running down to the front of the rim and just posting up right there, basically at the cylinder area, and then he's going to work. And when you get the ball that deep, it's a lot, you know, most of the time good things are going to happen. And with that, teams are having to to do a lot of things different defensively, but it's, you know, make no mistake, the fact that the ball is going inside is helping the outside shooting kind of, become what we want it to be and what what it probably should be. What do you expect to see from this team shooting the ball from behind the perimeter more often? Because you told me you weren't really concerned about this team's ability to shoot the three ball. So right now you're looking pretty smart. Is it closer to what we saw the other night? Is it more of what we've seen the first 10 games? Or is it somewhere in the middle? Well, I mean, look, this is why you have me on the podcast is because I'm the guy that sort of evens things out when you're a little concerned about things. And I mean, look, uh, the the answer, it seems like any time that we ask this question, the answer is always in between. It, it You're not going to see 15, 15 of 31 is outstanding from beyond the arc. That is asking a lot of this team. Um, and especially for a guy like Tyler Nickel to be that consistent off the bench for Carolina, um, for Caleb Love to be that efficient, which as we've seen throughout his career, he just he he hasn't been. It just it, it, there there hasn't been that those moments really outside of last year's tournament run where he's been able to string together you know great shooting night after great shooting night, even R.J. Davis. But what I do think is yeah this is this is a unit that I feel pretty confident in from beyond the arc I I feel like they they look they shot the ball extremely well from beyond the arc a year ago the best in program history I, I know that Brady Manic as I talked about earlier is not here and I don't think they're going to get back to that same level that's asking a lot but I think we've seen it here recently Pete Nance has the ability to stretch the floor. He's starting to find his rhythm with that outside shot. And you're hoping that, hey, some things click for Tyler Nickel and he can sort of carry this over. You know, I, I, it's not going to be consistent. It's, it's, he's a, tr- he's a freshman. So these things are, you know, if with freshmen, it takes time for the consistency to be there. But I think with what you've seen from him off the bench, and I think there's, you know, a couple of other guys that have the capability of knocking down shots from the outside. I think Seth Trimble can get there as well. Um, 
And I think, you know, we, we've seen, you know, Leaky at times has hit some big shots from beyond the arc. Uh, we we know Puff is it's capable of knocking down shots from out there. So I, I think this this group will be fine. I, I think the other day showed that, look, there's not a need to panic. Don't get your expectations too high. But you're right. It all goes back to what you're doing inside. And that, that point about just getting Armando to the front of the rim, I, I think that was that was a tremendous move by Hubert Davis to try to get him to focus more on being in front of the rim than on one of the blocks because it's kind of become predictable. People know what you're going to do. If you catch it on the left block, well, you, you're you going to your right. If you're going to your left, look, you, I mean, as long as you're in decent enough position, you're, you're pretty much taking the player out of the play anyways because you're right up against the uh, the baseline. So, I, I mean, I, I think that move to try to give him more options with the ball – I think it's really helped. And I think you're right. Everything that you're doing inside now, the success that you've had there in the last two games has opened everything else up on the outside. And the other big part of it too, is just the ball movement. That That's what's allowed this team to have better looks from beyond the arc. One of the big reasons they were struggling to shoot the ball from the outside early in the season was simply because their looks were not all that great. Last year, the thing that they did so well when they really got into a rhythm shooting from beyond the arc was they were just moving the ball so well that they would get a good amount of open looks night in and night out. Well, really, up until that game against Georgia Tech on Saturday, Carolina didn't really have a lot of those open looks. They just weren't there. The times where Carolina would knock down shots were when guys would just create enough separation and hit tough shots. So I think a lot of credit has to be given to this group. And clearly this that was a focus of Hubert Davis and his staff was, hey, we have to move the basketball better. If we don't, then we're, we're not going to get what we want on the offensive end of the floor, we're going to continue to be a stagnant offense and we're going to struggle to score. And I think you've seen that change here over these last two games. The The biggest thing about the ball movement is the way that the ball's being moved. It's being moved in the air. It's not, it's not dribble handoffs. It's not, it's not with the ball being, it's not even bounce passes. They're moving the ball. Like, like there was, I saw a video of Bellarmine's ball movement earlier this season where they played a whole offensive possession that once they got into their offensive set, the ball never touched the ground. And like, that's how, you know, you can coach and run really good offense. And that's what Carolina's doing. They're moving the ball via the pass, as opposed to the dribble, it's going inside, outside, uh, outside from one side of the court to the other. And when you're making the defense work, like Carolina's making the defense work, it only bodes well uh, for you on the offensive end. That's why they had 56% assist percentage against Georgia Tech. And then in this game, I mean, two-thirds of their field goals were assisted, or three-fourths of their field goals uh, were assisted on in this win over the Citadel. Let's now move to two guys off the bench. And let's focus first on Tyler Nickel because – 
man, we knew he was capable of doing what he did the other night. 16 points. He was 5 of 10 from the field, 3 of 8 from 3 in 18, in 18 minutes. I don't know if I thought I was going to see it this year. Uh, I knew he was getting his run, and Hubert Davis trusted him enough. You could sell me on a port where there was a portion of that second half he was the best player on the basketball court. And he played with starters, and he played with some guys from the Citadel like Ash and, and Stephen Clark that are really solid Division One college basketball players. But he was just phenomenal. And – you know, I don't I'm not saying this is going to carry over into the next game or the next game. It is going to gain him a whole lot of more run and his ability to fill the fill the bucket up like he is is very Cam Johnson esque. His game isn't Cam Johnson's game by any means. But I mean, we remember that that 2019 season, 2018, 19, that when Cam Johnson got hot, he was as he was as good a shooter as there was in all college basketball. You could see Tyler Nickel being a a massive difference maker for this team in the short run and in the long run. And all of that, you know, thought and hope and belief really came to fruition in that second half the other night. Yeah, I mean, there's no there's no doubt that you have to be encouraged by what you saw from him in that game because. You, you just saw a guy that looked confident. You saw what a lot of people were talking about coming out of high school with him, about his ability to light it up off the bench. And that's what Carolina needs. They need an energy guy off the bench because right now they don't really have a guy off the bench that can just come in and create points. A lot of the guys, when they come in off the bench, look, you got guys that bring really good energy, primarily Puff Johnson and, and Seth Trimble, but they're just not guys that you feel comfortable with being able to, to add something offensively. With Tyler Nickel, I mean, that's the strength of his game. Look, he's done some good things defensively, too. I love the effort that he brings on that side of the court. But – you saw the other night, this is a dude that when he gets in rhythm, it is extremely hard to stop him. But I think the other thing was is that, look, he was having success from beyond the arc, but that didn't mean that he didn't drive the basket. He did that a few times. He got to the foul line. Like, this is a guy that is showing that his game is a little more complete than maybe even we thought it was from watching him coming out of high school. So. I think, you know, what we've seen from him, and and again, it's it's like really with a with just about everybody besides Puff on that bench right now. There are going to be ebbs and flows in terms of his minutes, but I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be hard for you not to keep giving this guy more minutes, more responsibility at least with what he's shown you so far, because just about every time that he's out there. He at least is doing something positive. You know, I mean, look at the like the other night, even. Look at the first half. He was 0 of 3 from the field. Could have been easy for him to just kind of write it off as another one of those nights where it's just not his night. Could have been easy for Hubert Davis to say, look, I'm just not going back to him right now. 
because, you know, he's struggling. But that wasn't what happened at all. Hubert went right back to him. And when he got his opportunity, he settled into a rhythm. And I mean, look, the thing with him is too, is he, he's got, he's got the attitude that you should want from every player on your team. I mean, late in the game, he's stealing the basketball, trying to go down and score points to get you to a hundred points. Um, it's, it, I mean, normally guys, when you're up by that significant, significant of a margin, they're just going to kind of take their foot off the accelerator, but he did not. And I think that already shows that he's he's got some leadership skills to him as well. So there is a lot to be encouraged about with him. And, you know, it gives Carolina at least a pulse off the bench. I mean, the fact that they scored 34 points off the bench in the second half the other night is astounding considering where we were at just a few weeks ago with this group where we were basically saying to ourselves, man, we're probably playing six the rest of the year unless we just have somebody kind of come out of nowhere. Now you've seen, you know, didn't have his greatest game the other night, but you saw Seth Tremble step up. He played really well against Georgia Tech. And then Tyler Nicholas stepped up. You saw Dontre Styles play really well the other night. And, ho- and, and hopefully he's a guy that now can sort of find himself a role back with this team. And then, of course, probably everybody's favorite story with this team right now, which is Jalen Washington. He comes in and scores six points, and you might say, well, what's so great about six points? He looks really good for a guy that's coming off of the knee injury that he suffered. He had another great turnaround jump shot. I mean, there is reason to feel like what we what we felt in the preseason can be true, that this team can have more depth by the time that they get to the NCAA tournament. The guy I really want to zero in on is is Dontres Styles. Because I think it was kind of just accepted entering the year. He had a role because he had a role at the end of last year. Um, That three he hit against Baylor was as tough a shot I've seen a freshman take and make in the NCAA tournament in quite some time. Um, that just didn't happen, you know, for whatever reason, there were other guys that, that Hubert Davis trusted a little bit more than Don Trez, but the guy I want to zero on is, is, uh, is Don Trez Styles here, because I think it was accepted just entering the year. This guy was going to have a role. He had a role at the end of last year. That three he hit against Baylor in the NCAA tournament, as tough a shot I've seen a freshman take and make in in, in quite some time in in Carolina basketball history. But uh, that didn't happen. He did enter this year with with a role, as defined as we thought it was going to be, even with Puff Johnson not being ready to go when the season started. There were other guys that Hubert Davis was more willing to put on the court. But then you have an injury to DeMarco Dunn. And then just really the sheer need to develop more depth. He got an opportunity the other night, played a career high in minutes, and tied his career high in points with nine, tied his career high uh, in, in rebounds with six. And like one thing that really stands out to me about him is his, is his frame. There aren't many guys on this roster that have an NBA body. He's one of them. 
he's he's a man. Um, he's a guy that can create separation. He's a guy that can get to the lane with his body. He's a guy that can defend and do a lot of different things. His size, his ability to leap and jump for rebounds or to jump over a defender to, to get an extra six inches to make a tough shot. Like he has all the parts. And tonight and the other night, you really saw them all kind of blend in together in one. And now, like, he's the guy I want to see. Does this carry over against Ohio State? Does this carry over against Michigan? Because I feel like if we could get to a point where we know night in, night out, we can trust him to come off the bench and be a contributor along with Puff. The freshmen are going to grow. That's just part of it. You're going to get DeMarco done back at some point. I think if Dontrez Styles works himself back into the fold, it just takes this Tar Heel team to a whole nother level and dimension. Yeah, because you're right. We we thought preseason, no doubt he's going to be a contributor. I mean, we said it. Carolina was was guaranteed to have seven. And we just kind of put him in the same category as Puff Johnson, as, look, guys that are going to come off the bench and contribute. And, Look, early in the year, you would have believed that was going to be the case. I don't know what happened, but for some reason, there was a point where he was just not being played. And, I mean, that was as recently – he didn't play the other day against Georgia Tech. But he gets his opportunity in this game, and you saw some good things from him on the offensive end of the floor. I thought he was tremendous on the glass. And he just, he gives you another one of those options. And look, if he can bring what he brought to you the other day on the offensive end of the floor, it's going to be hard not to play him. Because right now, the one thing that is, that that really is hurting this team off the bench is the fact that Puff Johnson just is not giving you anything on the offensive end of the floor. And so if if, if you can get, the same type of rebound and contribution that Puff can give you, which is what we saw the other day from Dontrez Styles, and he can do things for you offensively as well, it's going to be hard not to play him. So, yeah, I, I mean, that's that's the thing. It Really, it's anybody on this team right now. If you can bring Carolina some scoring off the bench, you are going to play more minutes. Because that's the thing that they're lacking right now is that scoring punch off the bench. And I I, I don't know. I, I would probably feel better saying, or at least safer saying, Tyler Nickel would be that guy for you. Because with Dontre Styles, it's just kind of been up and down so far throughout his career. But, I mean, look, it, it's, it's hard to deny that he, when he's been in there this year, He's rebounded about as well as anybody on this team. And I'm talking about even with Armando. In terms of just going up and physically grabbing a board, that's the guy who's been the best at it so far this year. So it'll be interesting to see. And that's one of the things that I think you got to monitor against Ohio State. It'll probably be Ohio State and Michigan at least. I don't think if he struggles a little bit against Ohio State, it's just back to the bench and not playing. But can he build off of that performance? And, you know, the other thing is, is I don't know what it was. I would, if I had to guess, and again, no inside information, but just thinking it's probably got to do 
with the intensity that he brings to practice, he has to bring that the, the same intensity that allowed him to get back on the court to every practice. Because if he does that, I think that he is more than capable of playing a role for a Carolina team that needs guys to step up off the bench. One last thing we'll we'll touch on really quickly before we get out of here. You got to shout out the Biscuit Boys, uh, Creighton Lebo, Jackson Watkins, Dewey Ferris, Bo May. I guess Justin McCoy, I guess, factors into this as well, but mainly Lebo and Watkins. Uh, for, they, dude, did you forget Rob Landry in there? He didn't play the other night. So, uh, well, no, he did. yeah, there he is. Yeah, Rob Landry shows up. I think we found our guy off the bench that we're going to really, you know, endorse, and that is Jackson Watkins, um, because that that dude has as much fun on the bench as anybody we've seen since our guy Aaron Rollman, who was just a character during that 2017 run uh, to the national championship. He made the three-pointer that, that got biscuits for Tar Heel fans on Wednesday at, at Bojangles that participate statewide but just what a you know Hubert Davis has talked about the last couple games it's starting to feel like Carolina basketball it's starting to look like Carolina basketball that moment when they checked in the last two and a half minutes or so that's Carolina basketball at its absolute best when you've blown out an opponent you're supposed to blow out that had the audacity to show up wearing an off-brand of our blue, like in a day and age where everyone has an alternate uniform, wear your alternate the Citadel because there's only one Carolina blue and it sure as heck isn't yours, but you blow out an opponent, you get quality time and, and, and experience for your bench, and then you give those guys, like, you know, Creighton Lebo was a, was, a, was a preferred walk-on, but most of these guys were just straight-up walk-ons. They're, they're on the team because they played on the JV team and they got a promotion. Because they just love the idea of putting on that uniform, running out of that tunnel, and, and playing in the Smith Center. And to see those guys have success is just so much fun. And uh, it was a lot of fun seeing them have the fun that they had. The fan base was phenomenal cheering for them. The Smith Center was probably as loud as it was all night long when they made the final bucket to give them an even 100. But that was, I thought, the best way to cap off what's been the best performance so far for the Heels. Oh, it was perfect. And, I mean, yeah, you're talking about a dude in Jackson Watkins that goes absolutely insane on the bench. That dude absolutely loves when his teammates uh, play well. And, look, that's the coolest thing about when those guys get in the game is that the starters, the older guys, they, they get excited to see those guys come in and get their opportunity. And look, the first shot that they took the other night didn't go down. Could have been easy to just say, okay, it's not our night for, you know, to get to that 100-point mark and get biscuits. But Creighton Lebo comes down and hits. I mean, th this, th this was one of the toughest shots I've seen. I mean, fading away hits the shot. And then Jackson Watkins hits a, a, a pretty tough three himself to give Carolina 100 points. So it's always great when those guys get to come in the game. That's one of the cool things about Carolina. I know there are a lot of other schools that have walk-ons. 
But I, 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 it's it's just different at Carolina because there are guys, there are guys that are historically known for being a part of that unit. Like Dewey Burke, there is literally a legend of him because of just that. And I think that's the cool thing about, you know, what what, what the, we Carolina has carried on for years. You're right; some of these guys got promoted from the JV team. Creighton Lebo is a legacy guy who was a preferred walk-on. You got Bo May, also a legacy guy who, you know, was just kind of added to the squad before the season. And, you know, I think a lot of people kind of fell in love with him after watching uh, one of the scrimmages where, where he went off. So, I mean, it's it's just great whenever those guys get out there. And for that moment to happen the other night, especially – with the fact that coming into the game, I don't really know how many people would have banked on Carolina getting anywhere near 100 with the way that they had been playing offensively. Because even though they played better against Georgia Tech the, the on Saturday, it wasn't exactly perfect. To be able to get there and have that moment was awesome. And, and I think it just overall, the game just gave Carolina fans a chance to take a breath. And think, okay, this season, it hasn't gotten off to the greatest start, but maybe this is the sign of things starting to click at least a little bit. Yeah, and I think that's going to be the hope. And the good news is, is we're going to figure out just how far they come when they take the court on Saturday against Ohio State in the Garden Well. This is going to wrap up this edition of the show. Uh, before we let you go, we do encourage you guys to visit the website, HeelToughBlog.com, where Anthony had you covered post-game uh, against the Citadel. You can probably hear it in my voice that I've been fighting a cold all week long. So he he, he wrote you up a recap, a little bit more in-depth on some stuff from Carolina's win. You can find that on the website. Also, more news on the Tar Heel football front. They have a new offensive line coach, a new offensive coordinator. They landed a recruit today in the 2023 class. Find out all that information and more at HeelToughBlog.com. As for the podcast, you guys know where to find us. We're on every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners podcast where we will pop up. We encourage you guys to rate and review the podcast, but more importantly, Hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season. Well, with that, guys, it is going to wrap up this edition of the show. I do want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that.